Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Hey, I'm going to, uh, this week and next week, uh, look at the uh, topic of encouragement. Uh, next week, I'll be looking at what it is to encourage one another, uh, as we are called to do as God's family together. Uh, but today, uh, I want to start by looking at what it is to actually encourage ourselves. How do we go about encouraging ourselves? You know, over the years, I have uh, made this statement, I want Life Christian Church to be the most spiritually mature church in Tasmania. And when you first hear that, it sounds a little bit arrogant, Except that when you pause and reflect, you realize actually that should be the goal of every pastor, of every church, that their church is the most spiritually mature church. Now, for those uh, who have found out for the first time today, uh, we're actually going to be, uh, become grandparents in February. Kerry and I are pretty excited about that. Um, and it's really interesting because uh, we think about uh, what that journey of raising five kids and particularly for a newborn, there are some really distinct um, uh, aspects of their growth that we measure with questions like, uh, are they crawling yet? Or are they walking yet? Or are they talking yet? These are critical stages in a baby's development because ultimately the goal is that quite literally that child comes to a place where they can stand on their own two feet physically and then you spend the next 18 years or so helping that child grow and develop so that then they can go as an adult and stand on their own two feet as an adult. And just as it is in the physical for every single one of us as we grow and develop, our spiritual growth and development is such a critical part of who we are. And we've got to learn to actually stand on our own two feet, spiritually speaking. Karen, I hear an amen this morning. We've got to be really careful, both in life and in faith, that we don't create deeply dependent relationships. Where we look to everybody else in our life to make life's decisions and to give us guidance and wisdom and direction. And, and it's a really bad habit that some people get into where they're looking to everybody else to make their decisions for them. Where they're constantly asking other people for advice on every single issue, seemingly unable to make a decision for themselves. And then spiritually, we can even get into the bad habit of asking other people, well, what do you think God's saying to me about that particular thing? And it's like I, 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 I'm relying upon everybody else to interpret what God might be saying to me. Now, let me say this. There is no question that there are times and moments and seasons in life where we need to lean into one another and lean on one another. But what we must guard against in life is the kind of dependent relationship upon others that sees me totally unable to make a decision for myself. Because friends, ultimately, we shouldn't live lives 
totally dependent upon one another. We shouldn't even live lives totally reliant upon ourselves. Ultimately, we should live lives totally reliant and dependent upon God. Amen? And as we grow in God, we must be digging wells that allow us to grow in faith, to allow us to mature in faith, digging deep wells that allow us to experience God in a deep and personal way. We gotta be spending time in the treasure of God's Word because it is truth. God's Word is so empowering. God's Word is supernatural. And so we've got to be spending the time digging into the wisdom of God's Word. We've got to be spending time centering ourselves in prayer and saying, God, would you speak to me? Father, pour your wisdom into my life. Those times when we're literally waiting upon God. Then God, by His Holy Spirit, through prayer, through His Word, through that developing intimacy, gives to us the greatest counsellor, the greatest advisor, the greatest encourager, that is His Holy Spirit. The greatest counsellor there is, friends, is God's Spirit. And again, I've got to clarify this. I'm not saying that we do not turn to one another. We do. The Bible tells us about the one another's of the New Testament church. Love one another, pray for one another, uh, carry one another's burdens. And the list goes on and on and on. And the Bible clearly teaches us that we need to be there one another. We need to be living in vibrant, active Christian community. And we'll be actually looking at that next week. In fact, Proverbs 15 and 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. But if we are in the habit of going to others for advice on every detail of life, unable to make decisions on our own, it is a clear indicator that we've got some maturing to do and some growth to do. Now, let me pause personally and tell you, I go to my advisors and my mentors probably daily. Uh, as I need to as a Christian leader. I, I need their advice. I need their guidance. I need their direction. Uh, and, and certainly every, every leader needs those mentors in their life. But I am not going to my mentors with the same issues day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. The issues that I would take to my mentors uh, and, and to those that I, I look to for guidance would be vastly different and vastly deeper and vastly greater the issues that I go to today than the issues that I would take to them 10 years ago. Because we've got to be growing and developing. We must learn that with spiritual maturity comes a wonderful resource of godly strength, godly encouragement, godly wisdom, because God is in us by His Holy Spirit and His Word is alive. Hebrews 5 and 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish 
good from evil. Today, I want to unpack a, an interesting episode in the life of David. And we read this encounter in 1 Samuel 30, starting at verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The King James rendering of verse 6 says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What an incredible picture. We have David and his men returning to their home base of Ziklag after fighting on the front lines of battle only to discover that their homes had been attacked and totally ransacked. He's returning from a battle that Saul had commanded him to fight. But this homecoming was incredibly different from previous homecomings because there were no victory marches, no victory parades, no songs that were to be sung in David's honour. Instead, they got there and all there was was heartache. Their homes totally ruined, their families kidnapped. Now this enemy, the Amalekites, they had been a long-standing threat to Israel. But if you actually back up to chapter 15, you discover that God had commanded Saul to go up against the Amalekite army, but Saul could not do it. But as we actually fast forward to the end of this story, you discover that David accomplished what Saul couldn't in defeating the Amalekites. And actually, there's a great end to the story, which we'll get to, where they do win a great victory and actually receive back everything that the Amalekites had taken from them. Why was it that David won a battle that Saul couldn't? In fact, Saul was just totally unwilling to even enter the battle. So what was the key to David's victory? What was it that David possessed that Saul didn't? Well, if you follow the story, you actually quickly discover that the reason David had victory when Saul didn't was that David consulted the Lord, as was his habit. David always consulted the Lord. Saul, on the other hand, 
consulted anybody that he could. Uh, in fact, Saul was even in the habit of consulting a medium before he would consult God. Now, who knows? Uh, it's a lot better strategy to consult God than to consult a medium. And yet that's what Saul did. Friends, it is good to be reliant upon God. He is faithful and trustworthy. It is a good thing to be able to cast all your cares upon God. And when David and his troops return to Ziklag, they discover the enemy totally has ransacked their homes. And while they were fighting the front lines of battle, their homes were vulnerable. And friends, we've talked about this in recent times, but the enemy will attack at our point of greatest vulnerability. And let me tell you, every Christian leader is familiar with this scenario. Kerry and I, in over 30 years of ministry, we have seen this personally time and time again. I can be away from home seeing God moving in amazing ways seeing people's lives totally changed and transformed, having the most awesome time of ministry and carry us back home with the family doing it really, really tough. There's even been a number of times in 30 years of ministry where I have cut an itinerary short because I need to be home because of something that is going on at home. And the number of times that our children have, have been hospitalized with an infection or with a, 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 an incredible illness, uh, and, and I'm away having an amazing time of ministry. And again, the enemy attacks at that point of greatest vulnerability. And friends, let me say this. When you are praying for those on front lines ministry, please be praying for their families. Can I hear an amen? Pray for those points of greatest vulnerability, which is often the home they have left behind. Because again, I can be on the front lines having an amazing time of ministry. Everything is going incredibly smoothly because of the prayer covering that we have and the devil can't get anywhere near us. But at home, things are falling apart. So for David, they've been fighting this frontline battle and recognize the enemy has attacked their point of greatest vulnerability. And... and Satan is a snake. That is a pretty good military strategy. Ransack their homes, kidnap their families. And when the men of Ziklag come home from this front lines battle, the women are gone. The boys are gone. That next generation of leaders of their people were gone. And Ziklag was just in ruins, this deserted city. Everything had been destroyed. And the Bible says, when David and his soldiers saw all of the devastation, they cried until they could cry no more. The Bible says that they, they didn't have any more power in the Hebrew. It says they were drained because of their grief. Now, there's something really interesting in this story. David comes home from this battle discovering that two of his wives were gone. Ahinoam and Abigail. Check this out. There is great meaning in the meaning of the names of Ahinoam and Abigail. 
Ahinoam's name in Hebrew means delight. Abigail's name in Hebrew means joy. So as he had been fighting the front lines of battle, the enemy is around in the background robbing David of his joy and his delight. And let me say for us this morning, maybe it is for you that you're in a season of life right now and you're just thinking, I have no joy, I have no delight. That circumstances or whatever it is that you're facing right now has robbed you of that sense of joy, that sense of hope, that sense of delight, that sense of, 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 of victory. When we lose our delight, when we lose our joy, there's no question. We don't smile like we used to. We don't love like we used to. We don't laugh like we used to. We don't hug like we used to. We don't get happy like we used to. We don't feel the Holy Spirit like we used to. We don't interact with others like we used to. You don't appreciate people like you used to. Cynicism can creep in. The Bible says David was greatly distressed. Not only was he carrying the burden and a great sense of responsibility over his men's losses, but he's got his own grief to deal with. He's also got the great awareness that they have been defeated in battle. So he's carrying all of this. And now he's got his men even blaming David for their own losses. Talking of stoning him. And I think many of us have experienced that understanding. Some people are just really good at blaming everybody else for their problems. Some people even blame God for their problems. Now that's nothing new. It happened in Jesus' day as well. It happened to Jesus himself. Remember when his good friend Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha greeted him on the road as he was coming? And Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here and gotten here when, you know, instead of taking four days, had taken a day to get here, our brother would still have been alive and, and Jesus had to wear the blame of their grief and sorrow. Here's David, totally surrounded by sorrow, coping with his personal grief, um, coping with a sense of responsibility over a ruined city, coping with this sense of we have lost this battle. And can I say this? David would at that point have been really justified in giving up. He would have been really justified in just resigning and moving away. He would have been totally justified perhaps in just blaming others. Not my fault, it's everybody else's. But what did he do? Verse 6, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. That speaks of a deep intimacy with God, a deep relationship with God, deep maturity in God. That when I've got nobody else to turn to, I can find encouragement in myself because the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word resides in me and I can lean into God, I can be encouraged in God and I press into God. 
David encouraged himself. In the Hebrew, the picture we get is that he made himself strong. He strengthened himself. He supported himself. I love this one. The picture is he repaired himself in God. I love that. He took care of himself. He held himself up. He sustained himself. And friends, let me encourage you this morning. If there are things right now that threaten you in life, if there are things right now that just seem so overwhelming for you and you don't know what to do, you don't know what your next move is, you don't know where to turn or who to turn to, I encourage you, yes, absolutely lean into others. Find encouragement from those closest to you. But friends, more importantly, encourage yourself in the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Verse 6, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Again, in the Hebrew, it says he gave himself godly encouragement. And as the team comes back this morning, I think there's probably many of us in this room today that maybe I need to follow David's example. David, I'm sure, found his confidence by meditating on the truth of God's word that says, the Lord is a strong tower. The Lord is a strong tower. He found his strength by remembering that when I am weak, I know he is strong. Maybe he found the resilience that he needed by remembering that God gives power. He promises power to the faint of heart. Maybe he reassured himself that God is my provider. Maybe he comforted himself by remembering God never abandons me. He's always with me. Maybe he repaired himself by remembering that God's in the business of renewing my mind, of renewing my strength, of renewing my spirit. Maybe he found the hope that he needed by remembering all I've got to do is to lift my eyes and look to the hills from where my help comes, for my help comes from the Lord. Maybe you felt that intimacy, that sense of nearness of God who says, hey, I will lead you. I will lead you by still waters. I will lead you into green pastures. And he's comforted. Friends, we've got to get in the habit of constantly encouraging ourselves because there's a lot in the world today to be discouraged about. And we need a constant reminder that in Jesus, our Lord, our Master, our Saviour, our Redeemer, that whatever it is we're going through, we encourage ourselves with the knowledge that Jesus has already been there. He's already done that. If there's pain in your life, Jesus has already been there. If you're facing trouble, Jesus has already been there. 
if there is tears and grief right now in your life, Jesus has already been there. That when I face the pain, He's been there, done that. When I face trouble, He's been there, done that. Even when we face death and we're going through that deep grieving, Jesus has been there and done that. But more than that, burial, He's been there and done that. And praise God, resurrection, He's been there and done that. Can I hear an amen this morning? And because of that, because of all of those things, because of who I have in Jesus and what I found in Jesus, my relationship with Jesus, I can be encouraged. And your best friend in the world cannot give you that kind of encouragement. It's nice, it's good, it helps. But the greatest encouragement comes in the relationship we have with our Saviour. And here's the great conclusion to this story of David and Ziklag. 1 Samuel 30, verse 16. He led David down. And there they were, speaking of the enemy, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Listen to this. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. I love that end of the story. Those very same men who were rejoicing and singing this victory song, this is David's plunder, were the same men who in that moment of desperation were speaking of stoning him because of the grief of their loss. But David won the victory because he constantly encouraged himself in the Lord. Friends, Encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't leave it to me. Don't leave it to Pastor Dan, Pastor Rose, Pastor Andrew. Don't leave it to your best friend in the world. Yes, we're here for you. We're here for one another. But we do also need to learn to stand on our own two feet. To dig those wells that allow us to grow in Him and mature in Him. To learn that in the most surprising of moments, those moments that just come out of nowhere and rob you of everything, suddenly, hey, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord right now. This has taken me by surprise. It hasn't taken God by surprise. Everything that I need to rise above this, to find a victory for things to be restored in my life is found in Him. Amen. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to his word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Praise be to You, O Lord. Teach me Your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from Your mouth. I rejoice in following Your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on Your precepts. I consider Your ways. I delight in Your decrees. I will not neglect Your Word. God, actively, I'm encouraging myself in You because You are the greatest source of encouragement. You are the greatest encourager. You are the greatest counsellor. You are the greatest hope giver. And God, You will restore all the things that circumstances have robbed me of. Can I hear an Amen this morning? And as we close today, we're going to close with a time of worship. But I I just encourage you, and we don't do this often, but this altar is open. And as we sing this final song together, I'm just going to encourage you to come forward. If there's something that has stolen your joy and delight, if there's something the enemy has snatched, I want you to discover the hope that God is a God of restoration, a God of hope, a God of healing. And that we look to Him and say, God, I'm trusting You for change, that You would change my heart, that You would change my perspective, Lord God. And ultimately, that You are my Redeemer. You will redeem even the darkest, most painful of circumstances. And I look to You and find the greatest of encouragement in the truth of who You are. And who I am as your child. So team, let's sing. I'll pray. And as we pray this and begin to worship, I would just love to, I've got got a little thing of oil in my pocket, which is just in God's Word, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, of His healing, of His cleansing. And and I just love to anoint those who come forward. That we just look to God and say, God, do a work in me. Restore what the enemy has stolen. Let's do that this morning as we worship. Hey, dude. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the truth of your word, the power of your word, the reminder of your word, the examples of your word. Father, may we be encouraged because of what we've shared today. Be encouraged because of who you are. May we be people who, as we grow in maturity, are just digging those wells that we can draw from in those darkest times. But Lord, we need to be encouraged. And maybe for some of us this morning, Lord God, we've just got to let go of the bitterness. Let go of the excuses, let go of the justifications. And just allow you by your Holy Spirit to do a work of renewal in us. That the encouragement that has failed us everywhere else we've been looking would suddenly be found in you. To some this morning, God, you would say, I'm going to restore everything that's been stolen. Father, if that's us this morning, we just just with open arms come before you. And we say, God, heal the bitterness, heal the disappointment, heal the discouragement, restore my joy and my delight. Father, I look to you for what I lack. I look for you for wisdom, for encouragement, for counsel. Speak and move among us, I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.